0: Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. The program is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia and streamed live via the 3CR website. Welcome to Freedom of Species. I'm Kate Gracie and today I'm in the studio with Rebecca Eli from the Melbourne chapter of Direct Action Everywhere and Rochelle Van from Animal Activists Australia. We're going to talk about the recent factory farming actions that are getting heaps of attention from the mainstream media. Welcome to the show, Rebecca and Rochelle.
1: Thank hey, Kate, thanks for having
0: us. Rebecca, when I requested a photo of you to promote this show on social media, you forwarded me one of yourself being manhandled by the cops.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And um, I just wondering, can you un- unpack the circumstances of that photo and what was happening and where and why? Like, it's a pretty full-on photo.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so that was at the Animal Justice um, Camp, which was a five-day vigil back in December, And um, the photo kind of came about because um, we were trying to get a negotiation to stop the trucks to spend some time with the pigs on their way to slaughter. And um, that wasn't going ahead, so a few of us sat on the road and we were blocking the trucks um, using our bodies. And... um, the cop just grabbed me by my hoodie and pulled me off the road. So that's how the photo came about. Yeah, right. Were you injured? It looked like you didn't look um, like you were having a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I couldn't breathe a bit, so yeah, it right. was it was quite rough. Um, considering some other people were just picked up and moved off the road, I was grabbed a bit differently, but yeah. Yeah, it
0: looked it looked pretty harsh. You're a lead organizer for the for the organisation Direct Action Everywhere, um, Melbourne's chapter of that. And I understand you've been super busy and I really want to hear what you've been up to, but can you first explain the origins and the development of direct action everywhere and what it means as an international movement?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. So direct action actually started in Berkeley in California um, by a few founders, one of them being Wayne Chung, where they decided um, that uh, direct action was one of the best ways to create social change. Um, There's a quote that I really love from Martin Luther King that's... um, Non-violent direct action seeks to create such a crisis and foster such a tension that a community which has constantly refused to negotiate is forced to confront the issue. It seeks so to dramatise the issue that it can no longer be ignored. So that's kind of like the basis of what we run from. And um, it kind of just really took off from Berkeley and then I think there's over 40 chapters around the world, so...
0: Wow. How many
1: chapters in Australia? Um, I think there's uh, three or four. I know an Adelaide one has just started as well, so... That quote that you talked about, um, about direct action, can
0: you explain what it might look like, how it manifests?
1: Um, what do you mean? Well, like
0: (laughs) what, when they talk about the ideology of direct action,
1: um, how, how does that, how does that take place? Can you give some examples of what? Oh, of, of direct action. Of direct action. Um, yeah, so I think one of the ones that direct action actually has on the website was um, back in 1960 there was four students who staged a sit-in in a whites-only restaurant. They were African-American students and they did a sit-in there, um, which other people, even in the civil rights movement, said that it was too extreme and it was, you know, um, making them look bad. There's a resistance to direct action, that it makes it makes
0: the movement look bad. That's really interesting what's the history of that actually then actually um, making change
1: yeah because I think honestly something I think about a lot is sometimes the best way to create change is to do it in the past <laughs> because now we look back on the change and how that's manifested and then we were more like willing to accept that those um, things that took place like civil disobedience and direct action were what was necessary but at the time it can be quite uncomfortable even for activists themselves So it's quite deliberate. It's like you're rocking the boat quite deliberately. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. Mm -hmm.
0: Now there's something that seems a little bit covert about direct action everywhere. That's, I don't know, just something a little bit secretive or you don't know about the actions until they appear on the, on the media. (laughs) Um, Is that, is that a deliberate covertness or, or, or is Um, it, is it it just how it works?
1: Um, I think, yeah, to protect the secrecy of the operations. So, you know, slaughterhouse shutdowns and stuff. Otherwise, we'd we tip off places yeah, if we right. had at public events. So I think in order for them to be effective and to go ahead, we do sometimes have to create that kind of secrecy and um, just have certain people involved.
0: So can, can anybody join or do you kind of have to be tapped on the shoulder, so to speak?
1: Um, anybody can join the members group on Facebook. So okay. Yeah. <laughs> but there's but, a little bit of screening just to make sure that people you know are definitely interested in this kind of stuff
0: the screening to
1: join the facebook page or screening to actually become
0: an to become one of the um frontline activists
1: um to join the facebook page just you know make sure people are um, in line with our values and stuff like that obviously there's a lot of trolls online so (laughs) sure so so i guess then if the if are screened to join the facebook page
0: Mm. there must be massive screening if you want to join as an as an one of the frontline activists, you must have to go through a whole a pretty full on screening process. You have to be known by others to join
1: uh, like as an organizer, do you mean
0: or just just to be just to take part in the actions
1: um, I think yeah, it does sort of come down to a bit of like level of trust too because I know there's um, there is infiltrators in movements and stuff, yeah. um, uh, Rochelle knows a bit about that as well.
2: Yes, I mean, if you kind of look at um, history, there's been a bit of that where we've got infiltrators from, you know, more so the, the industries that come in and try to cause conflict and cause some issues along the way. But I think at the end of the day, you know, when we look at our current movement in Melbourne, for example... Um, we don't just have these two groups th- that we represent that, you know, obviously go above and beyond and pushing boundaries, but we also have other groups where people can slowly ease their way into activism, whether it is having conversations in the streets, and that's how we get mm. to know each other. That's exactly. how we go, okay, now we want to move on to the next step of activism, and that's where DXC and AAA Animal Activist Australia comes in.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, now, Rochelle, you're the founder and executive director of Animal Activist Australia. Mm-hmm. Can you um, tell us about... the Animal Activist Australia, or, or A, as you just referred to it? Like, when and how did it come about and, and why did it come about?
2: It came about about, well, around about a year ago. I mean, we were kind of inspired by, you know, the activism that was already happening. We were just looking at, you know, filling in the gaps in the movement as well, um, you know, creating consistent type of actions, um, you know, yearly big actions to... Uh, you know, looking at it from different perspectives. I mean, we've got great, great organise, or, organisations like Animal Liberation Victoria and then Animals Australia. And if you kind of combine the two, then we've got something different. And we're kind of looking at it from that perspective. We're kind of looking at, you know, being a friendly face to the public, but at the same time, you know, bringing activism in because there's an urgency. Mm. So we want to push the boundaries too, but at the same time, you know, we want to create a platform for anyone to join as well. Now, I understand
0: you've been involved in one of the recent slaughterhouse shutdowns and that was the one mm. at
2: Banala. that got a lot of coverage can you tell us about that about that action and what happened yeah so um, the action at Benella abattoir was inspired by the premiere of Dominion the documentary that's just been released uh, we came together as a, a group of activists where about 10 of us entered the facility and locked on with chains and about 40 were on the outside supporting us and trying to you know bring this uh, the mainstream um, media forward and, you know, getting onto our social media platforms and sharing what was going on, a lot of live streams as well. So uh, that's basically what happened. happen. This avatar particularly on the day had... Um, they had calves that they were going to slaughter, and they had pigs as well. So, they have a gas chamber where the pigs get lowered into and then gas to life. So, they basically get burned from the inside out. It's a very, very painful way to die. Um, and then they also had the calves that were, you know, anywhere from a few days old to a couple of weeks old. Um, very, very young babies still um, that they were also going to slaughter for, say, the veal industry. And, this is a, and they consider calves a byproduct of the dairy industry. How did they kill the calves? So um, I guess it's just a basic stunt to the to the head, and then the hanging them upside down okay. and slitting their throat. So it's just the standard way of slaughtering animals. Um, which obviously, if you really can, you know think about, what's humane, and uh, it's not really according to the definition of humane, it's not humane. But the industry considers it as humane, destroying. Well, you said before there was some live streaming.
0: That sounds mm-hmm. like a pretty significant logistical exercise. How do you do live streaming from inside a slaughterhouse?
2: So what we've done is, because we're obviously doing an open action, we're not hiding what we're doing, we're not hiding our faces, we, um, you know go on our social media platforms and we stream it live for everyone to see as it's happening. So rather than... (laughs) You mean using mobile phones? Mobile phones, correct, yeah. So we just take our mobile phones with us and we just uh, kick that live stream, whether it's through our personal profiles or whether it's through, um, you know, our uh, organisations because we did have quite a few representatives from different organisations come from all over Australia um, to, you know, participate in this action. Yeah, right. That's amazing. And can you talk us through the actual,
0: like, how you actually entered the um, facility and what mm-hmm. you actually
2: do personally with your bodies when you go into mm-hmm. um, an abattoir? So um, obviously we're, we're you know, entering without permission. Um, we are going in because uh, we obviously want to bring attention to the issues and the best way to do that is from the inside. Um, so we would have entered with our chains and uh, we would have made sure we... We had the correct uh, uniform on as well for, for, you know, the biosecurity laws as well. So just so we can keep our site, you know, clean and do the best uh, way, do it the best way that we can. Um, And just basically just usually at these facilities, the doors are open, so it's not breaking an entry. Um, We just open up, go in, find a spot that we want to lock on to and lock on and start live streaming. Okay. Yeah. And tell me, what do you, what do you witness? So... Where I was positioned specifically was um, around the pigs, so we would have had sows right next to us were, that were in a different pen, um, and they would be obviously you know ex- exhausted from you know all the breeding they would have gone through, and then um, to my right would have been uh, the younger the younger pigs, and uh, most of them were all crowded into uh, one pen with uh, mostly males and then just a few females. So what we witnessed obviously wasn't particularly the best for for the animals, and obviously from you know that's and, an understatement. Yes, uh, definitely an understatement. Uh, especially once you hear what I have have to say is, um, you know, if you look at the nature of the way these animals have been brought up, you know, if you, if you if you put humans into this you know this way of upbringing, we would become feral, right? We wouldn't behave uh, the best way. So in considering the fact that you know mostly males with just a few females. Um, Excuse me for the lack of, you know, of a better word and I would like to give a trigger warning here. We did see a lot of males rape the females over and over to the point where they were bleeding. So these things are, you know, considered as standard. It happens all the time. It's not an isolated case. Uh, You know, you can't, you can't do, you can't, you know, exploit animals, especially in these numbers and expect things to go well. And
0: what do you witness um, in terms of um, the calves?
2: The calves, so the the aim, one of our goals uh, amongst, you know, obviously entering without um, any issues uh, and getting some media coverage, whether it's on social media or mainstream media, um, one of the goals was to, uh, you know, rescue two calves. Uh, The organiser, Karina Davis, uh, from Why Animal Rights Matter, tried to negotiate as much as she could to rescue those two calves, But unfortunately, um, they wouldn't and uh, they were taken from us and escorted to their death by the police.
0: So how did this whole action conclude?
2: Uh, so basically it came down to the fact we were given several warnings and, uh, you know, to the point where police wanted to come out with bolt cutters and cut cut the chains and drag us out. So we felt that we did our best with achieving the goals that we wanted to achieve and that there was not much more we could do. Um, so they gave us that, that official warning, um, sort of in a sense like a declaration of, you know, what our rights are and what the consequences are if we don't leave. And that's where we decided this is probably where, sh- where we should now be going.
0: So no charges were laid?
2: No charges at this stage, as far as we're aware, um, have been laid. So did the media actually come into the facility while you were there and film you? No, so we didn't have any media come in, unfortunately. You know, when you have these kind of actions and it's further away from the city as well, it takes them a little while to get get there and get things done. So what we've done is we've just passed on um, a lot of the footage and photos to to media um, and hopefully they'll just take it from there for us as well.
0: You can't tip off media in advance for the risk that they'll tip off the authorities?
2: We can tip them off in advance um, to some degree. I guess, um, again, we can, we can give them limited amount of information and then once we're there, we can give them, you know, the exact address or that kind of stuff. So we do try our best to get to them as soon as, as, soon as we can within, you know, our limitations to, to remain safe and be too, and successful as well.
0: Okay. So do you regard that action as a success?
2: Yes, I I think it's a success, you know, no matter what it is we do, as long as it's non-violent and and we fight strongly for the animals, it's always a a success.
0: Do you call media coverage a success, if it's regardless of whether it's good or bad, is just getting media coverage is a success?
2: I think, yes, regardless of the type of media coverage we get, again, as long as it's non-violent, it is always a success, because even if we didn't, you know... Uh, if they didn't say, uh, portray us in, in the way that we wanted to be portrayed, it still becomes a, a discussion within society. It still becomes something that people become aware of and talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. You must have had some of your activists or fellow activists experience some form of emotional trauma from that experience.
2: Yes, I think generally, even when you do investigations and you go, you enter these type of facilities. Um, I mean, they they are hidden for for a reason. You know, they, you know, they, there's no glass walls, so um, it becomes a traumatic experience at first. Especially, you know, there's a post traumatic issue that we have and. Um, But then after a while, I think for a lot of us as well, because we're so used to seeing these things happening, we become desensitized and we don't have a choice because we have to become objective. It's the best way we can help the animals because if we don't become objective, then, well, we'll get ruined and we won't be able to look after the animals anymore. So, yes, there's definitely, you know, that that issue of, of the mental health aspect. Um, but we do also encourage people to um, do debriefs and, and contact each, you know, the organiser and talk to each other about how they're feeling and, you know, put their hand up or speak up if they have any issues. We also have, um, you know, a, a neuropsychologist, for example, Dr. Ash, who... Um, is always available to have a chat with people too and she does you know also talk about you know the post-traumatic stress disorders that people end up with um and we've also with our vigil that we had a part of the vegan activist experience we had a vigil and we um invited dr ash to come and have a talk to people after the vigil about how to take care of themselves afterwards
0: tell me about the vigil what was that and where was
2: that So we had a vigil at uh, Diamond Valley Pork uh, towards the end of last year during the time when uh, World Vegan Day was on. This uh, particular action was a part of the vegan activist experience that is an event we want to have yearly. Uh, we try to gather everyone from, that comes through the World Vegan Day to come to this vegan activist experience, which is a two-day event, um, and try the different types of activism. So DXE um, did an action as well. We had the Save Movement do some actions too. Um, so we had different types of groups that you know had a slot to do the different types of activism. So the vigil was one of them. is for people to come and see you know what it's like to, um, you know, be at a slaughterhouse, uh, you know, uh, also what it's like to, you know, get involved with this type of action, you know, what it takes as well. And then also, you know, you know, bearing witness and, you know, taking the footage of the conditions these animals are in and how they're suffering and bringing it to the media and bringing it to social media and making, again, making it a conversation for everyone to talk about.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Is the vigil held within the facility or outside? Vigils are often held on the outside of the facility. Um, so it involves stopping the truck, sort of that, like the photo that we, we refer to where Vecca where was, you know, being dragged with the police. It's often, you know, outside of the facility where we stop trucks and then we, um, you know, create an opportunity for those activists not stopping the truck to go and take footage of the conditions of the animals. Sometimes on rare occasions, like with Animal Liberation, Victoria, um, we've had activists go into the facility as well. But it really just depends on the day and it depends on the organisation and it depends on our goals and it depends on what we think we can get away with and that kind of stuff for the day and how, much, how many boundaries we can push. It always comes down to the boundaries. Yeah,
0: yeah. The, so this vigil that, you, that you're referring to, <coughs> and you said you're outside, but are you outside <laughs> on the abattoir's property or are you outside on public land?
2: So it's typically on public land. Um, Sometimes we do cross the the line a little bit, uh, especially when trucks do push and push and people naturally move backwards. Um, So, and, you know, yeah, there's been instances, like I said, where people would have had, you know, go in in, inside as well. But generally it's on public property. So we do try to keep it um, as tame as we can um, Mm -hmm. as well so we can achieve the goals and also build some kind of rapport with the manager as well and the police so that we can continue to come back and you know at least get some footage of these animals
0: when you talk yeah. about building a rapport with the owner of the facility how on like how on earth would that happen like cuz the owner obviously his business is to kill animals mm-hmm. so how does a an owner whose business is killing animals build a rapport with protists that are trying to stop him killing animals
2: uh, yeah, it's a it's a very tough task, and it doesn't always happen the way we want it to happen. Uh, it's just a matter of, um, I mean, I think initially it starts with just sort of going there, and making it happen, and then the police gets called, and then the police becomes like a liaison between you and the and the manager. And before you know it, you've sort of built some kind mm-hmm. of working relationship, if you like to to call it, with the with this owner mm-hmm. or the manager, and and. You know mean when
0: you say working relationship, you mean just something that's not antagonistic, yeah, for that day,
2: yeah, just for that day to keep the peace um, and to be able to do what we need to do. Because mean, we're not there, obviously, you know, to, to cause any conflict. We're there, we're there to to you know achieve a goal, and sometimes we need to, you know, we need to be able to have these conversations with the people that you know we are, you know, fighting this cause against with.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, and sometimes they do agree, and um, even at Diamond mm-hmm. Valley Pork, sometimes like the owner has come out and said, okay, you can have two trucks for 10 minutes. Mm. So we actually do get to spend time with the pigs and we can give them water and, and say goodbye yeah. to them and get that footage.
0: So a vigil isn't to prevent the, the deaths of the animals, it's to to what? To, to, to acknowledge. To bear witness. To bear witness. And to raise yeah.
1: awareness through our footage and what we yeah, release right. on social media. And also to spend time with the pigs. I mean, you know, for about 48 hours before they even travel, they're denied food and water. Mm. So um, they don't get any water and it's it's really horrible for them. Sometimes yeah. they're foaming at the mouth. Yeah. So it's... Us being then, uh, we have, like, you know, slabs of water bottles and everyone runs up and gives them water and stuff and yeah. spends time with them and they mm-hmm. nuzzle into your face like puppy dogs and you it's can, a really beautiful experience you can also sad. See.
2: Yeah, you can definitely yeah. see that they're thirsty when you give them water. It, it, yeah. it, you can see how desperate they are to drink. You can mm-hmm. see how desperate mm-hmm. they are for that care from someone. Mm. Yeah. Well, and They're must, very empathetic. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it
0: must be a very harrowing experience, everybody involved. Yeah. Now we're just going to have a little break with a song and we've got one that you've chosen, Rebecca. Can you introduce it, please? Yes.
1: Um, so this is one of my favourite songs because every time I'm feeling like a little bit low, it reminds me to keep rising up for the animals and to keep fighting and doing what I'm doing. So cool. I What's hope it, called? it inspires other people as well. And it's called Rise Up by Andra Day.
0: Yeah, nice. Okay,
1: let's do it. You're broken down and tired of living life on the
0: merry round You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. And that song was uh, Rise Up by who what's what's her name Andrea again? Andrew Day. Andrew Day, <laughs> thanks Rebecca. Now, Rebecca, you've done a bunch of recent actions with um, direct action everywhere. And you've done chicken slaughterhouse facilities in Keysborough and Geelong, and you've done disruptions at a South Gippsland dairy expo and a tourist farm and you've done protests at city restaurants and a food court how do you choose your targets because i mean there's so many different slaughterhouses and restaurants that you could choose but you yes. choose these particular ones why is that
1: um with the slaughterhouses they were in response to a few things with the star poultry one in keysborough um, that was in response to an it hit an investigation that showed the chickens were being boiled alive there Um, So that's why we had an action there. And at the one in Geelong, um, it was because of the truck rollover um, in Geelong where there was um, numerous uh, chickens who died and we were unable to help. We had people there who were vets and veterinary nurses with um, cat carriers and stuff to help and to rescue the chickens. And we were um, blocked backwards and pushed back by police. So we were unable to help. And the owner said it was because um, they were his property. Even though there was animals there suffering, still trapped under cages. So it was incredibly heartbreaking and distressing. So we decided to have an action there in response to that. But some of our other actions, we usually have them, in you know, where the violence is either happening or where the violence is being consumed. So that's why we choose food courts or restaurants because that's where people are consuming that violence and putting that into their bodies. So talk us through
0: the slaughterhouse (coughs) action at Geelong, the one that came about because of this this traffic accident.
1: Um, Yeah, so um, that was um, back in February. And um, we had about uh, f- uh, 40 or 50 activists inside. Um, that's that's a lot for an action, isn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. a really, really big action. Yeah, okay. um, so it was really powerful to have everybody there. And we all um, had T-shirts on that said, "Their are lives, not ours. Um, and walking in was um, quite distressing, um, seeing all the – we ended up actually in the kill floor um, – where they were already um, going through the scolding tanks and being shackled. Um, so we saw, you know, uh, broken feet, and there was a dumpster full of, um, like, you know, bodies and dismembered body parts and blood all over the floor. And so there was already walking in, people were quite upset. Um, so it was really heartbreaking, but everyone stayed really strong and stood together. So I think it was a really powerful action.
0: So in terms of... Um the, the, your actual presence in the facility you you stand in and you walk in and you do you lock on or do you just stand amongst the machinery or what, what does this um, so how does it what does it look like
1: yeah so this one wasn't a lock on um, we just wanted it to be an occupation so everybody okay. just came in um, we had a few people just walking around getting footage and then everybody linked arms and stood together okay yeah and how did that conclude um, that concluded when um we were we wanted media to come in and we weren't um we didn't get that demand so we decided um once the police came that we were just going to peacefully walk out
0: okay yeah. and
1: was there any charges laid um no there wasn't no
0: it's just interesting that there wasn't there were no charges laid at that one and there were no yeah. charges laid at at yours mm-hmm. um Rochelle at Benalla mm-hmm. is that discretionary from the police could they lay charges if they wanted to and they And they were sympathetic, perhaps?
2: It tends to be a civil civil charge, more more so than a criminal charge as well. Mm. Um, So really it's up to the the facility to to make that decision, where if it was breaking an entry, yes, Mm -hmm. then I have no doubts the police would lay those charges. But quite often it becomes a discussion with that facility, and I guess... They they don't want to draw more attention to the issue either. They don't want to yeah. draw more attention to themselves. So sometimes they decide to to just drop it and yeah. um, not charge anyone. And mm-hmm. the police will give
1: us warnings and stuff mm-hmm. as well. And I think once it gets gets past like a few warnings, then they're just like over it and they're like, okay, we're gonna yeah. start laying some charges. Mm-hmm. That Geelong occupation,
0: mm-hmm. it was – so the media
1: wasn't present, but it got some media afterwards. Um, well, we did have someone from the Geelong Advertiser who was out, out the front and spoke to um, the Geelong, uh, DXC Geelong organiser, Tim, and um, had a discussion with him and so that was where the article came from. Was that so you regard that as a positive outcome? Oh, yeah, definitely, because it raises awareness. And like Rochelle has mentioned as well, I mean, it forces animal rights into the public consciousness and creates the debate and the conversation in our society. So it's definitely a success. Now, what about the disruption at the city steakhouse? That one got yeah. a lot of media noise. <laughs> yeah, which is what we wanted. So it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, talk us through what happened there. Um, from going into the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I know a lot of the articles say we stormed the restaurant, (laughs) Um, but we actually walked in quite peacefully. Um, But there was a lot of us there, about 40 activists. Um, So we walked in, just positioned ourselves with the signs, and I was on the megaphone. And I explained to people why we're there. I said we're not here to attack anybody, we're here to speak up for the animals and then I gave like a little speech and then we did um did some chanting. So <laughs> Right. And what was the response from the diners there, right there? Were um, they just sort of
0: just in shock or were they were yeah, I they think
1: heckling you? People were a little bit taken back. I know there was um one lady who came a little bit distressed and she tried to snatch our signs and stuff. But, um, I mean, there's going to be always different kind of reactions because humans themselves are different. So everyone responds differently to that kind of stuff. So
0: Yeah, true. So why did you pick that restaurant?
1: Um, it wasn't a restaurant in particular that we picked. It's just that's a place where they were serving violence and violence was being consumed. So okay. we were there to disrupt. <laughs> okay. Now, why did that particular disruption create so
0: much conversation in the <laughs> Melbourne press? Because it was on... You went on the project, and you're on 3AW, or some of your representatives, at least, were on 3AW. The project, yeah. and it just—it was a real kind of media storm for like a, at least a, a day or two.
1: Yeah, I think it's because it's—it's it's something that really takes people out of their comfort zone, and it hasn't really been done in Melbourne in Australia before. So it's kind of like a new thing. People are just eating their dinner, and they don't think a bunch of protesters are going to come in. So I think that's why it created like such a. Um, um, back with a better word <laughs>
2: uh, yeah well, I guess it's a bit it's a bit shocking for people as well, so yeah that, that's why you know a lot of responses even from the vegan community that we were getting um as as a, as a, as an activist community you know not even just thec but mm. just in general with <laughs> activism it just created that conversation it's a new yeah, kind of thing I unique, think yeah it's a very yeah very unique thing to happen mm. um, within <laughs> Australia especially yeah
0: there, there are a lot of vegans i i saw online a lot of vegan discussions saying mm-hmm. that you were out of line with that particular disruption which is really interesting because mm-hmm. there's, there's vegans who hold the same values and the same interests for animals and they're saying yeah. you shouldn't be doing it how do you respond to that
1: Um, I think a lot of the backlash we kind of uh, don't really respond to, but I was kind of online sharing links to the science of social change from um, Wayne Chung, who's from another DXC chapter, and um, just getting people to, like, step out of their comfort zones because I think, you know, the whole don't make vegans look bad is actually one Of the biggest mistakes our movement makes because we should want to look bad, we should want to create that conversation. I mean, as long as our actions are non violent, like Rochelle mm-hmm. said, and they're not sexist or racist, mm-hmm. I mean, it's good to get people out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. I, I agree. Now, the disruption at
0: the Dairy Expo in Gippsland sounded like a really <laughs> tough gig. They, you know, the prospect <laughs> of walking into a forum dedicated. To cranky farmers who make their livelihood yeah. from dairy and then challenging them about it, yep. would that would absolutely terrify most people.
1: Oh, yeah. So I was us- definitely <laughs> nervous. Yeah. I think a lot of the activists are as well because, yeah, it's, even we're putting ourselves out of our comfort zone. But these are, like you said, farmers who have been doing this for years who probably don't see it from our point of view. So mm. we need to get them to recognise um, the plight of animals do you i mean how do you gauge your success
0: of that i mean surely there's those farmers aren't going to have this sudden change of heart because a bunch of um, what they call probably city hippie city latte drinkers <laughs> come
1: down and, and and rattle their cage. So how do you gauge that success? Well I think like obviously media is a big thing as well but there was actually um, we had someone who was in the audience um, pretending to be like a farmer oh, cool. and they actually heard a few people were saying you know like good on them for standing up and you know some of them were saying they're, they've actually got a point. So even though people might not change straight away we're still Putting that in their mind yeah, right. and planting the seeds, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of dairy farmers that we're reading articles about mm. who are going vegan and who are turning their land to cultivate um, plant-based for milks and stuff like that. Wow,
0: that's brilliant! Yeah. I have seen <laughs> uh, someone kind of leaked some farming forums from New Zealand, and there were, and it was interesting to read the number of New Zealand um, dairy farmers who were sa- who were who were volunteering their own um, view on dairy practices saying Mm -hmm. there's some stuff that they are appalled by and that they said if other people could see what goes on behind closed doors, they'd be horrified. And they said, we've got to improve our practices before everybody finds out.
2: Mm -hmm. And that
0: was like a real um, expose from what was meant to be these very closed dairy forums. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And if you look at it from any perspective, really, it's not a sustainable industry. It's not a sustainable... Practice. I mean, if we look at it from an environmental perspective, mm-hmm. if we look at it from a health perspective, and if we look at it from more importantly an animal rights perspective, mm-hmm. it's not something that people. Once people become more aware and start realizing, you know, there's no way we can do this kindly. There's no way we can do mm-hmm. this the right way. The only mm-hmm. right way is to not do it at mm-hmm. all. So that's what it's going to come down to. And we urge, we urge farmers to 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 contact, you know, activists to to get mm-hmm. involved and say, what can we do to transition from animals to plants? What we can, what can we do? Because it's really in their best interests mm. to step up and quickly act.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Do you think maybe you, or with this um, action that you did, this disruption mm. at the expo, you might appeal to the to the new generations coming up? Is it easier to reach the children?
1: Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, children are very compassionate, and the way like um, society is, we've kind of started eating meat and consuming um, animal products and stuff because of social indoctrination and what we've been taught growing up. I mean, my dad used to say that cows are happy to make this sacrifice for us, you know? <laughs> yeah. And they just gleefully walk into the slaughterhouse. So um, before, you know, before the been taught all that stuff I think they definitely are really compassionate and they're a lot easier to talk to and even some of the younger mm. people as well but then again there is people who have been farming for you know generations 60 years and you yeah, yeah. know their family has been yeah. doing it for years and years and they make the change as well so mm. you never really know yeah. yeah I
2: think as long as we try and put our focus towards low-hanging fruit to begin with uh, it will become mm. a snowball effect you know the, the more yeah. we focus on low-hanging fruit the the more we the more low, low-hanging fruit we end up with as well mm. because you know it could just yeah. be the low hanging fruit can be you know someone's daughter, and then before you know it, the mother goes vegan the mother mm. cooks the mother cooks for the family, so the father has to be vegan and <laughs> it just sort of is a snowballing effect, so yeah we do that you know everyone it takes different things for everyone to make that realization, but you mm. know once we that's why we needed different types of actions as well, but once we you know sort of focus on that low hanging fruit and that and keep in mind the snowball effect, more and more people will will you know Start to realise that oh, we don't need to eat meat and dairy and all that. We can yeah. We can make kinder choices. Yeah,
1: and even people like so I've had friends who have been hanging out with their their pets, their cats or their dogs, mm. and they're like oh, I guess this animal deserves to live. So you yeah. know, I suppose the other ones do as well. And they just make that connection. I mean, mm. there's so many different ways, like Rochelle said, that people can make that connection.
2: Yeah, very very easily. I mean, we've we've recently had activists, you know, um, you know, just going from a vet to a shop, you know, carrying one one of the piglets, you know, that they've rescued. And, um, you know, the amount of attention we get towards, you know, those kind of things. Oh, it's a piglet. Oh, my gosh. Oh, they're so cu- cute. You know, even someone at a deli that works at a deli, we brought a piglet to. And even he, he said, oh, I, I don't think I'm going to I'm going to eat pig again. I can't do it. He's so cute. Look how cute he is. How can I eat pig again? And you know, it, it, once they make that connection, and exactly like Rev just said, you know, oh, I've got a cat and a dog. Mm. I don't want to hurt a little piglet. I don't want to hurt a little lamb because most of these animals are babies when they get slaughtered. Mm. You know, majority are babies. Yeah. They're very young. Is it based on? I'm just wondering. Is this? Is it based on degrees of cute? Do
0: you know? Like it's it's a it's a kind of it's a. T- I find that I sort of struggle with that sometimes because. Mm-hmm it seems like the animals that are cute are saved and mm. if you're not cute, you're not saved and it should be that, that you know, that animals have a right to they live regardless right to live. of whether they're cute or not. Yeah, because no, it's,
1: it's a social justice issue. Absolutely. So it's not just about being cute. It's exactly. about your rights to live. Exactly. And I think,
2: I think even though that, that concept is ideal and that's definitely what, what I believe as well, but different things, you know, different people, you know, are attracted to different things. You know, yeah. everyone has a different reason. Some people go vegan because they love animals. Um, some people, you know, go vegan because they think it's a logical, right thing to do. They don't particularly want an animal anywhere near them. Mm. I know a lot mm. of vegans like that. They're like, oh, no, I don't get that pig anywhere near me, <laughs> but I won't hurt this pig because just because I don't like you, just like I might not like a human or I might not like this dog, I'm not going to mm. hurt the dog. Yeah, yep. the, they or still the deserve pig. to live. They still deserve to live just because, you know, I don't have a warm spot for them. But I do think people have different reasons for, for making that transition.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, different strokes for different folks, Mm. it's true. Now, um, there's been a lot of media about a um, a big action at a pig farm in Queensland that occurred Mm. just a couple of days ago and I know that neither of you were at that. Action, mm. but that yeah. you um, but you can that you get both able to speak about it. Can you tell yeah. us what happened there and why it's significant?
2: Well, Animal Activists Australia did have a representative over that way as well, and I'm my DXC, I believe, had some people there too. Yeah, another
1: one of our organizers. Yes, yep.
2: and and yes, I mean that definitely took off quite heavily. You know it's been all over the media, and that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Queensland's also not known to be having these kind of actions quite often either, so it's gotten mm-hmm. people very excited. Uh, especially in yeah. the, the the amount of people that went in, and to the point where half the people were arrested, uh, according mm-hmm. to you know what's been reported.
1: Yeah, and it's quite a new thing to actually protest inside a factory farm. I don't think that's actually been done in Queensland or Australia.
2: Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, a factory farm where, um, you know, pigs were or the sows were in the in the farrowing crates with with their piglets, their babies.
0: So they seem to have media inside the facility was that
1: was or was that the, the um, footage that was provided I think that was live streams and stuff like that right, okay. but they did have a, I think they had a heavy media presence outside okay yeah, yeah definitely yeah. also
0: that was a very positive outcome for that action because it mm-hmm. did, because it simply because it got so much coverage
2: yeah Most definitely 100%, yes. and there's
1: people wanting to um who saw that who are wanting to become active now in the community as well and mm. loads of people will be watching that you know on the six o'clock news and planting loads of seeds so yeah and it was run by women as well, I just want to put out there. So yeah, I think oh, it's yeah. a really powerful Most, action. Absolutely. Most of
2: these actions are, are, are run by women. Quite often, majority of activists are females, um, especially the organisers and those that investigate. Uh, mm. So, yeah, we definitely have a strong female presence as well. <laughs> With the lock-on we had, we're all females too. So yeah. But, yeah, in terms of that particular um, uh, that particular action, it was yeah very, very successful and... Um, we're all yeah. very happy to see how that went, and hopefully we'll we'll keep seeing more yeah I hope so more more, more. yeah yeah it w- was
1: groundbreaking
0: yeah it was it was now there's with all these actions and and the media that's accompanying them that's mm. it's like that the atrocity of factory farming is no longer just this white noise in the background, but it's mm. becoming this really unavoidable um social issue that's front and center and I'm just wondering what's causing this Sudden increase in awareness and and in actions, and I'm wondering, is it is it the media is now reporting them, on them, whereas before it was largely ignoring them, or
1: is it, or is it because there are actually more actions. Um, I think it's a little bit of both, actually, because yeah. I think I know that there has been a, a pretty strong animal activist um, movement since you know the '80s and stuff. And there was um, uh, Patty Mark, who's the founder of Animal Liberation, um, when she was uh, doing open rescues back mm. in the '80s. So yeah. it's definitely been around for quite a while. But I think because we are kind of you know waking up more as a society and we're becoming more um, conscious and more you know politically correct and stuff like that, that people. Are starting to wake up and recognise animals and recognise their suffering, and I think mm-hmm. just it's not just factory farming as well. It's the use of animals in all kind of exploitation, with um, to entertainment, um, clothing, mm-hmm. everything. It's
0: happening very quickly though. Like it's. It's really mm. kind of reaching a crescendo just this year, or in the last six mm. months. Yeah, yeah, it's been a very rapid increase.
2: Yeah, I definitely think it's got something to do with the the community in general, in general, growing as well. Veganism in, in itself has mm-hmm. grown a lot, so once that becomes, you know, a little bit more popular and more mainstream. In, yeah. a, in a sense, you know, or trendy, if you like to call it, uh, the media wants to pick up on it more because they know there's an audience that will listen to and um, and yeah, again, you know, it's a combination of the fact that the media has become more interested for several reasons. Also, because yeah. we're doing more and more of these these actions that push boundaries, because you know, a lot yeah. you'll you'll look at you'll look at you know, say even if you look at the triple um, A page you'll see you know in our live stream about the re- the most recent action in in Queensland you'll you'll see so many people either pointing out about how the activists have broken the law and how uh, inspire people out to go vegan or how they and how they mm-hmm. want to, you know, become an activist. So, you know, the more people speak up and comment on these, you know, kind of live streams and these posts, the more the media starts to see it and realise, yeah. wow, this is becoming a very popular topic. And, and
1: vegan is kind of a buzzword as well. Oh, so it's like, yeah. oh, the vegans are doing this again. Yeah, so it's, every, it, it's always on the media. Yeah, and yeah All these actions, um, like Rochelle was saying, we're creating such an urgency that mm. it can no longer be ignored. And, like, you yeah. can't just sit in a restaurant and consume violence because we'll be there.
2: yeah Yeah. I mean yeah we can't just sit and wait to have a friendly conversation with people about it we've got to do that and more we've got to you know talk to people in the streets we've got to talk to our friends and family we've got to post about it on social media but we also have to push boundaries and make it a conversation for society not just an individual conversation but a general conversation for society to talk about and start thinking about a little bit more yeah Mm.
1: exactly because animals are suffering every minute of every day Mm. so we need to keep creating that urgency in bringing their suffering to the forefront.
2: As as we're sitting here right now, we've got how many animals suffering, you know, (laughs) just having this conversation. So there's a huge urgency for for more activists and and people to become more aware.
0: And it's not Mm. just happening here in Australia, but what I can tell is that that Mm. same um, rapid increase in this discussion is happening Mm -hmm. overseas as well Mm -hmm. with um, direct
1: action everywhere But and also... Just general um, animal rights movements. Yeah, like 269 Life and 269 Liberation, animal. There are um, huge actions happening over there in France. And um, I know there's a DXE Berlin and stuff now. And mm. um, Buenos Aires is even having some more, like, actions and stuff. So it's yeah. it's really picking up speed, the mm. movement. I think there's a few... Um, Philanthropists and stuff who has said that um, the animal rights movement is one of the fastest growing movements in yeah. history. Yeah, Def-
2: definitely. We've got the Save movement as well. There's just there's just more and more coming up, and you know a lot of these. These um, uh, different organizations and activists have been doing a lot of, you know, investigations, you know, behind the scenes, and they're, they're starting to show their face more because we want to mm. make it something to discuss. And when we put yeah. our face through these things, it tends to get more attention as well. Like the media are more likely to report on something when they see the activists rather than just the animals, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just becoming something that people are, are, shi- and le- are not shying away from anymore. We're becoming yeah. prouder and louder. And that's a great way, direction to go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It seems too, there's this international phenomenon, if you can call it that. I'm wondering if it's a collective consciousness or if it's actually a coordinated effort.
2: It's definitely Mm. a combination, I mean. Yeah, I think so, definitely. Yeah, because, I mean, we all sort of at the same time kind of realised in our own ways uh, that we, we yeah. want to do more. I know that's part of why AAA started, you know, I myself and a few other people, and I knew we wanted to do more. We felt like, well, you know, let's do more. And I think mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, you, you get in contact with the SAFE groups on, overseas, you get in contact with DXC overseas, and you say, hey, how can we go about getting this here? So I, yeah. I think it's a combination of the two, most definitely. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I
1: think people are really inspired and everyone, we all kind of sense that urgency and the need to, to fight with all we can for the mm-hmm. animals. Yeah, yeah. Now there's the new Dominion film, which is a documentary about factory
0: farming in Australia. Mm-hmm. That's just premiered and <clears throat> I figure, I mean, that the timing's great. I mean, it must be helping your cause a lot. And I know that the mm-hmm. first screenings have been sold out and it, and it sounds like a really, really impactful film, but... I wondered, will the people who need to see it see it? Because there's going to be a lot of animal activists see it and vegans see it, but they're Mm. the people who don't need to see it. Will the, you know, will, will the will the industry and the meat eaters will they will
2: they go and see Dominion? So I think it's a great thing if vegans do go and see it, especially if they're not an activist, to get them um, you know inspired to be, to be more active. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I do agree, you know, with with the activists seeing it. it is probably not always the best thing. We could always save our seats, I guess, if we want to, for for those who who might need to see it. But mm-hmm. I think it's definitely a discussion that's happening at the moment. You know, the you know mm-hmm. the, those involved with Dominion definitely are aware of this issue that you know we might end up aiming for the wrong audience at the end of the day um, but it's definitely something that we want to bring attention to uh, for Animal Activist Australia we've mm-hmm. raised a, a few thousand to put towards the advertising for Dominion so that we can hopefully reach that. Um, platform that audience mm. that that you know need to see this footage. So, for example, Netflix as well. Mm. You know, we're hoping that it will come onto Netflix too. Um, it's just a matter of waiting for them to approve it, which is
0: no guarantee though no. that the meat eaters will still watch it even if it's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah I, I, I suppose mean, you never
1: know. Really, we though. don't
2: know. Yeah, I guess the, the the great thing about Netflix that makes it so unique is people want to watch pretty much everything on there. People yeah. binge, binge. But Netflix is known for binging yep. as much as possible. So I guess, you mm-hmm. know, versus t- any other television uh, channel or whether it must be like Foxtel, people are more likely to want to watch everything new that's going mm-hmm. on on Netflix. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess, I guess we're, we're just hoping for the best. And I think if we put our attention towards mm-hmm. advertising and animal rights a little bit more... We'll definitely reach that target audience yeah. that we, we want to reach talking to
1: your family and friends and stuff as well. People definitely. dragging their partners along to the premiere. Yeah, maybe buying, t- buying them a ticket. Buy, yeah, buying them a
2: ticket. But once the uh, the the DVD comes out, we can always give them a little birthday present surprise. <laughs> yeah, you can always say, or well, even if it, you know, my birthday is coming up. You know, I want to sit down with my family say, this is my birthday present. You know, yeah. can, you yeah. can you watch this documentary with this, me this vision for my of birthday? Hell
0: for my yeah, amazing yeah, birthday, yeah. this means
2: it. a lot to me this will be the best birthday present ever for yeah. me if you yeah. can watch this with me yeah mm. that's a nice approach yeah if it works <laughs> you've got to find little you got to be creative you've got to be creative yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah but then people are always curious as well and people like we said low-hanging fruit mm. they might be on that journey and like that might be the thing that tips them over and they're like oh you know what i'm just gonna watch it
2: yeah Yeah. and then a lot of the time people don't really realize what they're about to watch I know earthlings is the documentary that got me to go vegan and I accidentally stumbled across that one I had no idea what was coming I I had plans for dinner that night everything and was definitely not vegan and before I knew it I was not having those same plans anymore and I was just in shock I didn't know what was coming my way but I just saw Mm -hmm. the title I just thought oh this is a great powerful documentary to watch and before I knew it, yeah. I was watching it in tears and disappointed and upset and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. and I wanted to make change. And we're hoping, you know, Dominion will will do a similar thing. Yeah,
1: the same thing actually happened to me with Cowspiracy. I actually thought it was like some joke film about yeah. like a conspiracy to do with cows, yeah. and then mm-hmm. I was watching it like just mind blown. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like I have to go <laughs> vegan. So first, mm-hmm. I went vegan for environmental reasons, and then I too watched Earthlings. Yeah. and Started on my animal rights advocacy journey. Earthlings
2: definitely locked me in as well, and I think that's what Dominion would do with a lot of people. That might just be plant based mm. going on a diet for the next couple of months, and you know, then you know, mm. they research more about plant based and veganism, and then they find Dominion, like sort of like what happened with me. And before you know it, they're like, oh, watch this. Apparently, this is really good. Everyone's talking about it. So yeah, mm, I guess yeah. we need to we need to create that conversation, and and mm-hmm. and that's why we also had you know some of these these the, well the vanilla lockdown. And we'll shut down that, you know, that happened because it was inspired by Dominion. So we, wanna, wanna pe- we want people to talk about it. Yeah, look, mm. great.
0: It's um, <laughs> been great talk to, talking to you both. You're both very brave women <laughs> doing great work. Thank you both for coming in today. Oh, thank you so yeah. much for having us on the show. really yeah. appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank
2: you so much for giving us an opportunity and a platform to speak for the animals today.
0: Oh, look, it's been a pleasure. I'm <laughs> just going to um, go to a song now. It's a Style Council song called Walls Come Tumbling Down, and then we'll come back for some community announcements. You're on Freedom of Species, 3CR, Community Radio, 855 AM, and that that song was Walls Come Tumbling Down by the Style Council. Before that, you heard Rochelle and Rebecca talking about um, their factory farming actions across Melbourne. Now um, that's all we have for today. I've just got some community announcements before we wrap up. Rally for the Greyhounds is occurring at the New South Wales Parliament on Wednesday morning, the 11th of April, and then there'll be another Greyhound racing rally at Sydney Park and St Peter's in Sydney on Saturday, the 14th of April. There's going to be vegan outreach at the University of Technology Sydney all day this Wednesday, the 11th of April, and then again at Sydney Uni all day on Friday, the 13th of April. There's going to be a screening of Dominion plus um, Q&A at the Capri Theatre in Goodwood, Adelaide this Thursday, the 12th of April. That's one of the few premieres that hasn't been already booked out. So um, if you're interested in going to that, I would recommend you book it right now online. Anonymous for the Voiceless are holding Cube of Truth street outreaches in, in Brisbane and Townsville on the evening of Friday the 13th of April and here in Melbourne there's going to be a beach clean at St Kilda on Sunday morning the 14th of April and that's going to be held by the St Kilda Beach Patrol. All those events the details will be on our Facebook page and they're already on their respective um, pages you can on Facebook so you can go and find all the, the details there. So that's it we have for today. Thank you very much to Rebecca and Rochelle for coming in, also to Andre Day and to the Style Council. You can contact us at info at freedomofspecies.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. And I'm just going to leave you with some more Style Council. See you next week.
2: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.